Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to start the Pentecost Sunday message with a question to you. Do you or have you ever felt weak or too inadequate to be useful to God. My hands up. I've been through, uh, I've been through that. So I, I want to encourage you as we start today with a true story. It's a story from Northern England, a teenager from Cumbria in, in uh, Northern England who felt a calling from God. Patrick is his name. He was poorly educated and he struggled with speech. He, he uh, didn't get the words together and, and stumbled a bit. And he frequent, frequently faced fierce opposition throughout his ministry, especially from those who felt he was less than them because they had learning and he had a very minimal education. Even as an old man, he still admitted, I still blush and fear more than anything else to have my lack of learning brought into the open. It would, it would destroy him almost to, to have that shown. Yet despite all his disadvantages, Patrick remained convinced that God had called him and had anointed him to be an evangelist. He wrote on one occasion, we are a letter of Christ for salvation, even at the back and beyond. Now, why he's saying the back and beyond, if you don't understand the English phrase, it's in the sticks, in the chamadullahs, in the, in the area where no one, no one goes to. Uh, and that's where he was used. So he's saying, uh, I'm a letter from Christ for salvation, even at the back of beyond. And what does it matter if it's not a learned letter? I think for a non-learned man, that's a pretty good, a pretty good few sentences to describe uh, uh, what the truth is. For it is still to be found valid and plain for all to read, written on every heart, not in ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. <laughs> he understood that despite his inadequacies, there was someone far greater who would take his inadequacies and use them to his good. Today, those more eloquent critics of Patrick have been long forgotten. But the impact of Patrick, or Saint Patrick, as he's called today, in his ministry and mission to Ireland 1,500 years ago, is still recognized today as one of the great missionary ventures that God blessed and released upon that part of the world. Even in his weakness, he was anointed. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, God anoints you with the Holy Spirit. However weak and adequate you may feel, God can use you, yes, you <laughs> and me, in extraordinary ways, just as he did with St. Patrick. You see, as you read through scriptures, 
you can come to no other conclusion that we were born to bear fruit. We weren't born to be inadequate. We were born to bear fruit. I was challenged by a recent question that was posed by Mbali Lamuka. Now, some of you know uh, uh, Sibanisu Lamuka. He's worshipped in this church uh, uh, a few times. He's one of the cotton pastors from Durban in Natal. Mbali is his wife and a good fiery preacher. And I heard a few uh, uh, phrases from uh, one of her sermons to the church very recently. She gave an analogy of a tree. And a tree is made up of a trunk, branches, and leaves. And she said, what have I left out? I've left out the fruit. (laughs) And then she said, now let's apply that to the church. We have Sunday services, we have prayer meetings, we have small groups, but where's the fruit? You see, as you go through the scriptures and perhaps the prime scripture for uh, the sending of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit and the description of what the Holy Spirit would do is contained in John chapter 14. But immediately afterwards in John chapter 15, it's all about fruit bearing. The Spirit and fruit are inextricably linked. If the Spirit is within you, fruit will come from you. If the Spirit is not in you, nothing will come from within you, from, from within you outwards of kingdom value. You see, the Holy Spirit gives you power to live a life of fruit bearing. I want to use a number of scriptures today and uh, just to underline the core of, of this tremendous gift that, that, uh, that has been given to us, the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. (coughs) Fruit bearing (coughs) and connected to the vine, again, uh, one is the, the consequence of the other. John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Do you think the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a a stated goal here that we be given the blessing of sharing with him in the process of fruit bearing. This is not some heavy sermon. This is a delight today to say that's how much God loves us, that he takes our inadequacies and makes us productive in the kingdom, not in the world's eyes, in kingdom terms. And God has equipped us to bear fruit. He hasn't just said, go and bear fruit. He's equipped us. You see, Jesus, before his crucifixion, clearly spoke about the one who would come to be his presence amongst the believers. John 14, 16, and 17, speaking to disciples who had been entirely dependent upon him for three years. 
and now he's broken the news that he's leaving them. <clears throat> and in that disappointment in their hearts, he starts to minister to it and to show them uh, uh, what he's done. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, <clears throat> I took a bit of time, and I went through a whole lot of different translations, because that word helper or paraclete is a word that is so full of meaning, we do injustice to it if we just say it as one word. So, so here's an amalgam of a whole lot of different translations, each one bringing out a facet of the same thing. They're not talking about different things, they're talking about the different facets. Helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to ask the Father and he'll send you somebody who will fulfill all those functions in your life to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, if anything is going to comfort you to take away today and to stir you up and to fire you, it's that. You see, when Jesus said, I'm going to send another helper, that particular word uh, in, in the original Greek text and in a church like this, I have to be very careful if I try and translate Greek and, and, and get it right. But that word another in this particular text has a very specific meaning. It doesn't mean I've got one iPad here and there's another one over there which was, which was used just now. That, that would necessarily not fit that word another. The another here means, unless you have exactly the same iPad as I have, with the same specification, I can't use the word another as it's used here. What Jesus is saying, it, at one stage he said, it's for your good that I go. How can that be? Lord, we've been with you for three years. Now you say you're going, it's for our good, because I'll spend an send another. Exactly like me in every respect to be with you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going for your good. Because in the flesh, I'm bound by time and space. In the spirit, I am everywhere and in every heart. And not just for a moment, not just for a day, but I will be with you and in you. You know, doesn't that blow your mind? There's a, <coughs> a favorite verse I have of John 14, 23 where he says, if you obey my word, the Father will love you, and we will come and make our home with you. Isn't that incredible? That God loves you so much, so intimately, so personally, that he's decided as you respond to him and flow with him, he comes and makes his home with you. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who is both with you and in you. God in your life as you sit there today, the God who created the world and the universe, that same God living with me and in me. What a gift. There are other places in Scripture where he tells us the kind of fruit-bearing 
that the presence of the Spirit will bring. I'll just take a few. There's so much in the New Testament, but Matthew uh, 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 28. <coughs> Therefore, the Great Commission, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with, with you always until the end of the world. Disciple makings, teaching others what Jesus taught us. Why? Because the best, most fruitful life that can be lived is a life according to what Jesus has taught us. We are given that as a, a, a job to do and to see the fruit. Matthew 13, Matthew, Matthew 5 and verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. A little bit later, you are the light of the world. And Jesus goes on to explain, understand that there's a use of the salt which we can use because we have the spirit that flavors, that keeps pure, that is a good thing to have around. But there's also a wrong use of it which means an ignoring of it, and then you get trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Again, he's saying in darkness, what's the most valuable thing? Light. But if you hide your light under a bushel, if the spirit who has been given to you is not used, what good is it going to do to light a darkened world? Then comes the clear instruction to the disciples. Before you take on this great commission, there's something you need to do. Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? You, you've been given a commission to go Jerusalem, uh, uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A, a worldwide commission. But before you get pack your bags and go, there's something you need to do because you're not yet fully equipped. Go to Jerusalem and wait. That's how key the Holy Spirit is to our life of fruit-bearing in the Spirit. They had to go and wait until the Spirit fell upon, fell upon them. The message of the Old Testament put it this way, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. Go, don't go to the wrong area to look for something. They say there it's champagne at night and real pain the next morning. That's the wrong way of doing it. <clears throat> Don't go to the counterfeit thing. Go to the real thing. And that is be filled with the Spirit. And again, uh, I, I know I couldn't do this next Sunday because Andreas would be back, but I'm going to take another Greek word <laughs> and explain it to you. Be filled with the Spirit. Uh, if, I, if I understand um, correctly, that, that's a verb that is in the aorist tense. It's not past, present, or future. It's all three. In other words, when, he, when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he's using that tense, says, 
you have been, you must be, and must continue to be filled with the Spirit. Someone said we need it because we leak. Continually, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why they went to Jerusalem. Any mission without that Jerusalem visit would have been sterile. You see, Peter is a witness to this. After the Spirit fell at Pentecost, he went out into the streets and preached. And he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Simple message, but powerful. 3,000 people responded. That blows my mind because obviously there were more than 3,000 people and microphones weren't invented in those days. That's a miracle in itself that Peter could talk to that many and communicate with them. Peter, who ran away, who denied his Lord, now stands up in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, goes out and preaches what a difference God can make to a life. A life <coughs> that was enough to be put on the trash heap because he had had so many opportunities. Peter was the original foot-in-mouth man. Every time he opened his mouth, he put his foot in it time and time and time again. And yet, God took that kind of person, filled him with the Holy Spirit, and used him on the streets of Jerusalem with such incredible results. You see, we need to hear this message. Because let me speak a truism to you. You can't give away what you don't have. You don't have the Holy Spirit. You can't give the kingdom away. You can't give away what you don't have. That's why Pentecost Sunday is such an important Sunday to remind ourselves that the beginning and end, the beginning was Christ crucified and resurrected as we sang that so powerful song, brings me to tears every time, of, 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 of a Christ who died for me, but yet rose in victory and glory. That's uh, 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 the start of it. But then the coming of the Spirit and to work through us, we've got something to give now because God has given us something. He's baptized us in the Spirit. Now we've got something to give away. And look how a recently... Uh, um, recommissioned Peter from coming off the dump heap into a ministry. What's the difference? What happened in Jerusalem at Pentecost? You see, when we lose our sense of purpose, we can't bear fruit. Our purpose is to bear fruit in the Spirit. And if we leave that out, we lose our sense of purpose. You are called to bear fruit. You are empowered to bear fruit. And as much as you will hear from the voice of the enemy saying, who you, you can't find your way out of a paper bag. How can you do anything? And God says, that's the kind of person I want. They know their weakness. Now, with the Holy Spirit, their strength can be shown. It was an interesting time that meeting in that upper room <coughs> when 120 of them met for prayer and the Holy Spirit fell. Uh, I couldn't quite hear from the mic, but were you talking about the unity that, that had formed in there? That that's, is 
is absolutely crucial to what happened there. Uh, they, they waited, I'm trying to remember, I think it was about 10 days, they waited in that upper room. What was God waiting for? For them to be of one heart and one mind, as one of the translations says. Where there is unity, now it was time. God could send the Holy Spirit. And what a way the Holy Spirit came with the sound of a, <coughs> a rushing of a great wind where fire came into the room and seemed to separate from the, the text. We seem to get a picture of the, the fire separating and, and tongues <coughs> touching everyone. And there was an immediate response from people. They started to speak a language they never learnt and didn't understand as the Spirit fell upon them. Now, this is so significant because, you see, the time when languages were confounded was Babel, when man in his own self-effort tried to build a tower and to show how strong he was. And God stopped that and confounded it and brought disunity by confounding their languages and multiple languages came. Now, not in self-effort, not in pride, but in humility the Spirit comes and reverses that and unity can now come and take place. It has potential. When you people live together in unity, there God pours out uh, his spirit. Interesting, on that day, there were different reactions to people. Some were amazed and awestruck, and others were very cynical and mocking and said, oh, they just drunk, despite it being only nine o'clock in the morning. Those reactions are still around today when the Spirit comes and moves and people see spiritual things without any foundation from which to interpret them, they mock it. And yet God has prepared them and us for us because Pentecost didn't happen. More than 400 years before, God had told the world it was going to happen in Joel 2, chapter 28. He says, and afterwards I will pour out my Spirit on all people, this is Old Testament. Old Testament, the Spirit was only given to certain selected few, kings, priests. Now God's saying this incredible thing will happen. It's not for the selected few and very few. It's going to be on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Thank the Lord I still have visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. For more than 400 years before. Aren't you amazed how God lays a foundation and then it's there and it's takeoff time and things happen. Not out of order, but God has purposed what should happen at, what, at which time. And according to Peter, this was not a once-off event, but to open but open to all people for all time. Acts 2.39, this is part of Peter's preach after the falling of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord will call. What's the conclusion from all this? Um, I know when, when any congregation hears the word conclusion, they think he's ending. I'm just drawing a conclusion from what I've already said. I'm not ending, all right? So don't switch off, okay? 
our calling as Christians to bear kingdom fruit is absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit being in our lives. Daily, hourly, minute by minute. And God has made that available for us. For the Spirit is both with us and in us. I don't often do this, and I haven't asked permission from my wife, so it could be a rough ride home. <laughs> I want to go back to the time when I was 12 years old when I was born again, but nobody spoke to me about the Holy Spirit, who was called the Holy Ghost in those days. Imagine what a 12-year-old makes of the word ghost, <laughs> Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, it, it was... Uh, probably 25 years after that, after I was born again, that I first heard a message on the Holy Spirit. At that time, <coughs> I was traveling um, in the cause of business quite frequently, <coughs> and so that meant that Anne would be at home, um, and uh, a single mother for that period of five children. So <laughs> it's a pretty stressful time. Uh, when, when one of the partners is, is, is away. And uh, so I was used to coming home to a wife who had been run ragged by five children during this period. And so one time I came home and uh, she was waiting for me at the door with a huge grin on her face and a glow on her cheeks. And that worried me. <laughs> I thought, she thought, that I'd bought her a present and I hadn't. So I thought, I'm in deep trouble now. But she, during that period that I'd been away, had been going to meetings, which were all about the Holy Spirit, at a, at a, a Presbyterian church. We were part of the Presbyterian church at that stage. And had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and it had turned, I was going to say inside out, to turn to the right way out. And, and uh, she determined not to tell me anything about it. She wanted to see if I would, would uh, uh, um, notice the difference. And for her, all of a sudden, the Word of God, uh, when I came home, her Bible was tucked away under the bed, <laughs> okay? Because, uh, I, can I confess this, when we first got married, We'd lie in bed at night and Anne would love me to read the Bible to her. Before the first chapter, she was asleep, so that sorted out her problem. <laughs> so for her to be into the Bible and now not, you know, every moment and, and tucked under the bed so I couldn't see, okay? So uh, uh, also, all of a sudden, she wanted to tell people about this wonderful Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit. <coughs> and people were listening <coughs> and people were changing. Until uh, uh, a few weeks later, I said to her, now, come on, tell me what's happened. And she told me. And she told me that she was speaking in tongues. And that really worried me, because I'd known of people who'd been excommunicated because of speaking in tongues. Uh, and here my wife is speaking in, in, in tongues. And uh, uh, she then led me to the infilling, to the baptism, of the Holy Spirit. My life changed. Things started to happen. Experiences of the Spirit that you, you just see are God coincidences. In other words, planned by God. Uh, um, just to me, 
talk of one situation. I'd been away overseas on business for a, for a few weeks, and somebody I worked with um, had been very good to Anne and the children, and, and he and his wife had had Anne out every Sunday for Sunday meal and sort of kept a watching brief over her that she, she was all right. So when I came back and was back into work, it was Friday afternoon, and uh, it was quarter to five. Uh, I'd just finished what I was doing, and I thought, I'm not going to start something on a Friday afternoon now at quarter to five. So I wandered down the passage where all the officers were and went into this guy's office and said, hey, I just want to thank you for looking after Anne um, while uh, I've been away. We re really appreciate it. Sorry I haven't got down to you before, but we've been really busy. We want to have you around for a meal. So he said, no, that's great. You're busy. What have you been doing? Well, I've been at church. What have you been doing at church? No, I'm doing a course. What course are you doing? The four spiritual laws. What are the four spiritual laws about? Well, it's how uh, you, you progress to salvation. What's salvation? I mean, the guy is taking from me and drawing me out of me the things I should be telling him. And at this point, when you now think he's led you to the place where you can clinch the deal, my secretary comes down and says, there's a phone call for you. And I said, not now. Take a message, please. She said, you'd better uh, take it. It's your wife. So I went and spoke on the phone to Anne, and she was excited. You see, that Friday was the last day of the course of sharing the four spiritual laws. <coughs> and you were meant to that day <coughs> share the four spiritual laws with someone. Now, with five kids, getting them to three different schools on my way to work in the morning was a ginormous task. Okay? And it's Friday, and it gets worse. It starts bad on Monday and gets worse the rest of the week. So by the time Friday comes, just to get them into the car and get them to work, and I drop the last one off, and I'm heading for, for, for work now, and I remember I've forgotten a little booklet at home. And I was relieved. I didn't intend to leave it behind, but it's behind, so I'm off the hook. <laughs> I don't have to do it today. Anne had said, I'm not going out today, so I've got the book here. If anybody comes to the door, I'll share it with them. Otherwise, no. So Anne now phones me at five o'clock in the afternoon and she says, you better come home quickly. Somebody has just come to the door. I've shared the four spiritual laws with her and she's given her heart to the Lord. And it was the wife of the guy I was speaking to at work. I hauled him home for supper that night. He gave his heart to the Lord. We haven't seen each other for probably 15 or 20 years now, but he served the Lord all that time, and I trust he's still serving the Lord. Do you, you see, you can't put that together yourself. There's, there's got to be somebody who is with you and in you that is taking a reluctant person and putting you in a place where he can pour out blessing, but he wants to use you. Does he have to use me? Could he do it himself? Yes, of course. Why does he use me? Because he loves me and he wants me to know the thrill of bearing fruit in his name. I could go on and on and on and on of testimonies <coughs> of what the Holy Spirit has done in our lives. Uh, I had a job 
um, as a, a, a research and development chemist. Um, if, if you said to me, write your job, job description of the best job that you can imagine, I would have written that down. I was so happy at work and so fulfilled. Um, and it was with a multinational company um, and the research that was coming out of there, which we were part of, <coughs> working in places in South Africa and Southwest Africa, on the mining area, on big power stations. It, it was just an incredible job. And God, in the middle of that, stopped me and said, I want you to go into the ministry. And I gulped and went and told my wife. And she said, oh, at last you've listened to the Lord. I knew that three months ago. That's happened to me often, often in our, in our life. And with five kids, we packed up that job and went to look after 22 people in a small church. They had one look at me, and three weeks later, there were 15 people in the church. <laughs> and from there, over a period of seven years, that church grew to a couple of hundred people. <coughs> 1st of January this year was the 40th anniversary of that starting. And I look back and see what God has done. And, and you know, you look back and you know, this is not you, you can't do this. This is way beyond where you could ever go. And understand this thing of being with me and in me is so real. And most of the time, I, I have to wait for the result to say, oh yes, he was with me all the way through. I'd sort of been so busy, I hadn't, I hadn't focused. And uh, he'd been there all the way through with me. That's what the Spirit does. He is with us and in us. We can't do kingdom work without the Spirit. And it's open to everyone who is born again. God's purpose, normal Christian living, is living the life with the Spirit being with us and in us. Now, I am going to conclude. But I want to give you a chance today to respond to God's gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might be baptized in the Spirit <coughs> many years ago. Uh, it'll be a good thing today <laughs> if you simply renew that and ask again and declare your dependence uh, upon the Holy Spirit. Others of you, you might never have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, all you need to do is with an open heart that longs to serve God and to walk with Him, is to ask for that baptism of the Holy Spirit today. I will lead you in a prayer, and we just trust that the Holy Spirit will touch and work and do what He wants to. I am I... <coughs> Memory isn't what it should be. <coughs> but somewhere in Acts, Paul is saying farewell to a people. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. He knows prophetically, it's been told to him that he's going to be arrested there. So he knows that the people he's meeting, and he met them on a beach before he, he, he got onto the ship, he would not see them again, ever, in this life. And so what does he do? 
he commits them to the Lord and to the Spirit. And Paul went away in peace, understanding that the Lord and the Spirit could give more than he could give, and that his departure from them was not their loss, it was their gain. That's the nature of the love of God and the release of the Spirit in your life. Won't you bow your heads? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, all your scriptures are so definitive, right from the Old Testament through to now, encouraging us, encouraging us, encouraging us. Thank you that your spirit is so freely given. We're amazed. None of us here today is disqualified. We're all included. And so, Lord, today, in simple humility, we want to ask for your Holy Spirit to fall, to come into hearts that welcome you, to come in and bear the fruit that you've given us the privilege of bearing in your name. I want to pray for anyone who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you'll just follow and pray silently in your heart as I lead you in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. Thank you that he comes so freely to all who want him. And I want to say to you, Holy Spirit, today, I want you. I need you. I love you. And I ask now that you would fall and touch and fill and baptize me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, just in simple faith, receive that in the same way as you receive Jesus, by faith, at your conversion. Now I want to pray for those who perhaps many, many, many years ago were filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, again, Come and refresh us. Come and fill us again. We leak. We want to be topped up and filled because we want to bear fruit. We want to be kingdom people. We want to be released in the glorious privilege of being part of a kingdom building exercise. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.